so grateful that the Lord is here and He has come and He's come to save the world. And if you don't know Him as your personal Savior yet, I hope that today will be that day and that you'll learn that uh, and be excited about that. Would you take your Bibles with me, turn to the book of Acts, book of Acts, please. Book of Acts, chapter 22. Acts chapter 22. Let's go ahead and have a word of prayer and we'll get started this morning. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you so much for the opportunity you've given us to be here. I pray that as we uh, open your word this morning that you would speak and that your will would be accomplished here. Father, I pray that your people would come and be ready to listen and hear and take from what you have from your word. And Father, I pray that I would just get out of the way and that your will would be done here, and that uh, the things that come across my lips would be what you want to say. Father, I pray that as we uh, do go through this uh, message, Father, that you would allow it to work in our lives, that it might bring a change in our lives, that we might leave here different than when we came, and that you'd be honored and pleased and glorified for it. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, since the beginning of time, since the dawn of humanity... Humans have been forever and will always be extremely predictable. Predictable. This is why books can be written on human behavior. Okay, Some of you may have read some of those. This is why um, you can find what number Enneagram you are, right? Because you're predictable. You are predictable. In fact, if you are a number on the Enneagram scale or the Braxton, whatever the, the other terms are, right? Whatever number you are on there, guess what? We can tell you how you'll act because humans are predictable. This is why self-help books are so inspiring because somebody before you has done what you're just about to do and they can predict the end because humans are predictable. We have the same routines every day. Typically, we'll go to the same places every day. We come home to the same house. You say, duh. Yeah, that's just to show you how predictable humans can be. We get up at pretty much the same time every day. We do the same things every day. We get into habits and we conform to this. We are so, so predictable. But there is one thing that every human being shares, and it is probably the most predictable of all things, and that is what we talk about. That is what we talk about. All human beings talk about the same thing, every single one of us. It's actually our favorite topic. We love it so much. And it's the same for every individual on planet Earth. The most predictable thing that we talk about is, are you ready? It's ourselves. You all, you all knew it before I even got there. We're so predictable. We always talk about ourselves. We talk about our likes. We talk about our dislikes. We talk about our kids. We talk about our jobs. We talk about what we did over the weekend We talk about what that other person did to us. The reality is we talk about ourselves constantly. 
I'd be willing to go out on a limb and say that there is not a conversation that you could possibly have in which you would not talk about yourself in some way, shape, or form. It's predictable. It's constant. And guess what? Paul the Apostle is no different. Paul the Apostle is no different. In this last lesson that I'll preach here on the purpose of your life, we will once again focus on the Apostle Paul. The last several chapters of the book of Acts, we find out that Paul does a great deal of talking about himself. But not in the way that you might think. Remember, Paul was determined to go to Jerusalem. We talked a little bit about that last week. Hey, I'm intending to go to Jerusalem. I'm just stopping here just to meet with the church at Ephesus just for a little bit. And then I am trying to make it to Jerusalem. And so he's pressing for that. He's trying to go for that. Before he would ever make it to Jerusalem, a man by the name of Agabus, that's a nice name, I think you should all name your kids that, okay? Agabus, he made a prophecy that Paul would be bound if he ever went to Jerusalem. So this person is going to be bound if he goes to Jerusalem. And everybody looks at Paul and says, don't go, Paul, don't go, Paul, don't go, Paul. And Paul says, you think I'm scared of being bound? Do you think I'm scared of being uh, put into prison for the cause of Jesus Christ? He says, listen, I'm not scared. I'm going. He said he knew, remember from last week, he knew that bonds and afflictions would abide him. And so he decides, I'm going. Paul makes it to Jerusalem and is there for approximately seven days, just a week. And guess what? He's arrested. Just like that. The funny thing is, he hadn't even done anything yet. He simply went through a Jewish purification ritual which intended him to go into the temple. And he's in the temple and he's there and a mob swarms him and already is arresting him. He had not preached, he had not done anything but simply go into the temple for his purification. And they caught him and they didn't just arrest him, they actually started to gang beat him. In the, they brought him outside of the doors of the temple and they began to beat him. The Roman soldiers hear this commotion and they run down to, quote, rescue Paul. And what did the Roman soldiers do? They bound him <laughs> and put two chains around him and they led him into the castle. This is what Paul gets just for stepping foot in the city of Jerusalem. Sounds pretty exciting, doesn't it? Sounds like all of us, again, are signing up for this awesome opportunity to serve Jesus Christ and be beaten and put in bonds. On his way into the castle, though, Paul begins to speak to the one Roman guard. And he says, can I just have an opportunity to speak to the people who had just attacked me? The soldier, I'm sure, looks at him quite funny and asks him a couple questions. You can read this here in the Bible in Acts chapter 21. But the soldier actually gives him permission. And from the stairs of the castle, Paul is able to silence the people. And guess what he begins to talk about? He begins to talk about himself. Look with me in Acts chapter 22. Read with me in verse 3. Acts chapter 22 and verse 3, the Bible says this. I am verily a man which am a Jew. Born in Tarsus, a city in Cilicia, 
yet brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel, and taught according to the perfect manner of the law of the fathers, and was zealous toward God as ye all are this day. And I persecuted this way unto the death, binding and delivering into prisons both men and women. Very simply, I did this, and this is what I did, and this is how I grew up. And he, he is simply talking about himself. You say, Pastor Yeomans, this doesn't sound like a very good sermon that you're starting to preach already. Sounds like you're trying to tell us that Paul was awfully selfish. And all he cared to talk about was himself. And it sounds like you're telling us that we ought to be selfish as well. Well, that's actually the farthest thing from the truth. Here's my goal for you today. Here's what I want you to get. I want you to understand and I want to give you some help on how you can fulfill your purpose on this earth in a greater capacity than you ever thought possible. And easier than you ever thought possible. You see, when we started this series 12 months ago, we talked about your purpose in life. No doubt some of you sat here in this place and thought, this is a bit overwhelming. I'm not sure what my purpose in life is. I'm not sure what my purpose in life entails. And I'm not sure if I'm cut out to accomplish that. But here in this last lesson on our purpose, I want to try to give you some final thoughts and some just ease of fulfilling your purpose. Most of us think that in order to be what Jesus wants us to be, we have to go through at least 10 years of schooling. Or we have to go through hours upon hours upon hours of teaching on apologetics. Or we think that we have to be able to discuss a doctrinal dissertation in great detail before we could ever fulfill what God wants us to fulfill. While these things may be good tools, they are not necessarily, excuse me, they are not necessary to fulfill your purpose in life. Simply doing what comes natural to you and I is something that is good enough. Simply talking about yourself is enough. Again, some of you are like, ah, still not sure. You're not making this a very convincing argument. Let's continue reading, shall we? Acts chapter 22, verse 5. As also the high priest doth bear me witness in all the estate of the elders from whom also I received letters unto the brethren and went to Damascus to bring them which were bound unto Jerusalem for to be punished. Verse 6, and it came to pass that as I made my journey and was come nigh unto Damascus about noon, suddenly there shone from heaven a great light round about me. And I fell unto the ground and heard a voice saying unto me, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? I answered, Who art thou, Lord? And he said unto me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom thou persecutest. And they that were with me saw indeed the light and were afraid. But they heard not the voice of him that spake to me. And I said, What shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said unto me, Arise and go into Damascus, and there it shall be told thee of all the things which are appointed for thee to do. Can I give you just a little bit of information. Paul simply began to tell his story. That's it. 
Paul simply began to share his experience. But share a certain experience. His experience with Jesus Christ. He gave them a first-hand account of what happened to him, to a person, when a person comes into contact with Jesus Christ. That's all he shares here. Very simply, the greatest tool in your own personal story is your connection with Jesus Christ. The most powerful tool in your toolbox is just telling people your own personal story about your connection with Jesus Christ. We often call this our testimony. Our testimony. If you will, our eyewitness, our first-hand account of what we experienced with Jesus Christ. I want you all to write this down. Take your phone out, write it down. Write it down. This is what it is. My testimony is powerful. Write it down. Make sure you remember this. My testimony is powerful. This is what Paul did. Paul literally, simply told them about what happened to him. You do this every single day of your life. Every single one of us does this every single day. When you walk into work on Monday morning and your buddies are all like, hey, what did you do over the weekend? You're simply telling them what you did, what happened to you. We talk about ourselves every single day. So let me try to break this down just a little bit and see if we can find some sort of helpful application. Verses 1 to 5, Paul simply describes his past. He simply says this, this is who I was. Okay, so he begins to describe his past. I, I grew up in Tarsus, in Cilicia, and I did this, and this is who I was, and I began to torment the Christians, and I was on my way to Damascus. We do this often as well. We say things like, somebody asks you, oh, where are you from? Oh, well, I grew up in such and such a city, and I did this, and my dad was a this, and we begin to tell about who we were. I used to do this, and I used to do that. We talk about when we used to be single, or when we used to be in elementary school, or when we used to be in college. See, it's not that different from what we do on an everyday basis. We talk about where we used to be. Now we're in the stage of where people are starting to tell us what they used to do with their kids, right? Because we have young children. Whoa, we did this one time, right? It is natural for us to talk about what we used to do or who we were. And from verses 6 to 10, verses 6 to 10, Paul begins to describe his encounter with Jesus. He says this, this is my life-changing intersection with Jesus. It's easy because he was literally on a road and he had a meeting with Jesus. So literally, this is what happens. So we will often talk about things like this. When I was 20 years old, I mean, I was a, I was a bachelor and man, I was living it up. And then something changed. I got married. And my life from that moment on changed. Right? We do this. We talk about this. Oh, man, I, I remember when I was going through school and I got to graduation. And at graduation, I got hired into this job. And from then on, I was this. 
Okay, we do this all the time. This is what we talk about. We talk about this. Oh, man, for 30 years I was at this job. And then I remember the day, the day I retired. Oh, yes, I couldn't wait for that day. And I, I'm retired now, and I, I go to the McDonald's every day, and I drink coffee. It's awesome. Can't wait till you get that opportunity. This is who I used to be. And all of that changed when I met Jesus. You see, this is simple. It's easy. This is not a doctrinal dissertation. It's simply, this is what happened to me. And then from verses 15 to 21, Paul describes that his le- how his life would look from this point on. He begins to tell how things changed and what happened and what took place. I want you to read verse 15 with me. This is God and another man through God talking about Paul. He says this, For thou shalt be his witness unto all men of what thou hast seen and heard. Very simple. You're going to be a witness of both what you've seen and heard. This is not difficult. It's actually super easy. Hey, I saw something this week. Let me tell you about it. Oh, I was listening to this podcast this week, and I'm telling you what, that guy was spot on. We do it all the time. And he says, you're going to be a witness, not of the podcast that you listen to, but you're going to be a witness of Jesus Christ, both of what you have seen and what you have heard. Jump down to verse 21. And he said unto me, depart, for I will send thee far hence unto the Gentiles. You see, this is where Paul gets his purpose. The third point is this. This is my new purpose. This is who I was. And then I had a life-changing intersection with Jesus Christ, and now this is how I change. This is my new purpose. Very simple. Very easy. Something that we do every single day of our lives. We tell people about our experiences. We tell people about us. Paul was literally doing what comes naturally to all of us as human beings, talking about ourselves. But we know that's not actually who we're talking about, right? We're just telling somebody about an experience that we had. What we're actually talking about is about the powerful work that Jesus Christ, our Savior, has done for us. You see, instead of actually talking about ourselves, what are we doing? We're bearing witness of the incredible work that Jesus has done in our lives. You see, you, most of us are like, Pastor Yeomans, I was good up until you started talking about the fact that now I'm talking about Jesus. You see, we're good with talking about ourselves, and even we go to the extent of we're just holy Joes now, right? We're Bible thumpers. When somebody asks us, hey, what'd you do over the weekend? Oh, I went to church. That's not what we're talking about. What I'm talking about is sitting down with somebody and beginning to tell them, hey, this is who I used to be. 
this is what I was, and then I had an intersection. I, I, I had this confrontation at this meeting with this person. His name's Jesus, and I can't tell you how he's changed my life. He's done such incredible things, and listen, every conversation is going to be different. Every conversation is going to be different, but the reality is this. This is a simple, a very minor, yet incredibly powerful perspective shift. We get scared when we have to talk about Jesus. Listen, just talk about your testimony. My testimony is powerful. Yet this perspective shift is something that all of us need, and we all struggle with it. Again, we don't mind talking about ourselves and about our experiences. We are definitely, definitely not going to talk about Jesus Christ. We're not going to mention his name. We're not going to talk about it. Here's why. Most of us have convinced ourselves that our coworkers, our neighbors, our family, our friends, we've convinced ourselves that they don't want to hear about it. We've convinced ourselves. Did you ever ask them? Did you ever sit down and say to them, hey, I've got to tell you about something. Do you want to hear about it? No. Listen, we never do that with anything or anybody. Hey, I went hunting this week. Did you want to hear about that? Actually, no, I'm totally against hunting. Right? I think that'll probably come up in the conversation. Hey, I watched the basketball game this week. Oh, I am totally against basketball. Because we don't do that. Common, everyday, ordinary people, they talk about their experiences. Oh my. Others of us have convinced ourselves that we will talk about every other experience of our lives, but we are not going to talk about our experience with Jesus Christ. There are two topics that we will never discuss. Come on, what are they? Politics and religion. You know what's funny to me? We talk about politics every single day. And we've even gotten to the point that most of us do not care what the other person thinks. Isn't that interesting? I know people that get pictures with politicians and they will post that on social media. Do you know how polarizing that is? Well, what if you don't like that politician? You know the person that's taking the picture says, I don't really care. I am in support of this person. Do you see what we've done is we've said, okay, there's two things we don't talk about. We'll talk about politics, but we'll save religion for the dark recesses and we'll only pull it out when it's absolutely necessary. When somebody comes to us and says, hey, you go to church, don't you? Hey, I'm really going through a really, really rough time. Would you, would you pray for me? Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Hey, hey, listen, I want you to get this idea today, this morning, and all of us, myself included, that when we can talk about every other detail of our lives, we can talk about everything, but we reserve Jesus Christ for some unknown, obscure time. Listen, I'm going to ask a very bold and frank question. Is he really that 
big of a part of our lives. Again, we, no problem talking about sports, politics, our families, what we've done over the weeks. Because why? It's a part of who we are. It's a part of the very fabric. Listen, I have no problem, not one problem in this world, telling anybody I'm married to this lady right here in the front row. Doesn't scare me at all. Yeah, but what if you're talking to another lady? That's the best time to say it. What if you're hanging around with the guys and they're all bashing their wives? Yeah, I'm going to say, hey, listen, my wife is awesome and I'm married to her. Natural, right? Or it should be. We can have a whole, a whole other conversation later. Guys will uh, have, a, have another meeting after this. Listen, what I'm trying to get you to realize is there are things in life we have no problem talking about why is Jesus one of them? Why is Jesus one of them? You see, I think sometimes we forget that people are genuinely interested in our experiences. Genuinely. You know how I know that? There's these things called Google reviews. People take their experiences and what do they do? They post them on the internet for the whole world to see. I do not buy a product unless I have read reviews on that product. If it's got a 1.7 star review out of 15,000 reviews, I'm probably not buying it. I'm just going to be honest. There's 150 Christians here today. What's your review on Jesus Christ? I'm telling you right now, people are reading the review whether you write it or not. The reality is, what are we given? Our review is simply a 1.7 star of Jesus Christ. And listen, there are a bunch of people who say, well, if that's the case, I'm not buying it. I don't want to spend any time there. Far too long we here at Bible Baptist have been quiet, kept our mouths closed, and it's time that we opened up ourselves and started to share with others our experience of Jesus Christ. The natural question is, what if they reject me? What if they reject you? What if somebody doesn't like my review? Let's look at Acts 22. Look at verse 22. So he explains this entire testimony to them in verse 22, and they gave him audience unto this word. Up until he said, I will send thee far thence unto the Gentiles, and then lifted up their voices and said, Away with such a fellow from the earth, for it is not fit that he should live. Oh, my word. They hated his review so much that they're like, kill this man right now. He is not worthy to continue to breathe in the air that we are breathing in. Verse 23, and as they cried out and cast off their clothes, look at this, and threw dust in the air. They're like a bunch of apes. 
this is gang, ganging up on somebody. And so they're just like going nuts. And the chief captain commanded him to be brought into the castle and bade that he should be examined by scourging. <laughs> How exciting. That he might know wherefore they cried so against him. And as they bound him with, with thongs, Paul said unto the centurion that stood by, Is it lawful for you to scourge a man that is a Roman and uncondemned? When the centurion heard that, he went and told the chief captain, saying, Take heed what thou doest, for this man is a Roman. So he's able to withstand a beating because he's a Roman. Again, we can get into why this was such a big deal. But the reality is he's, the beating is only stopped by Paul mentioning that he was a Roman. But from this point on, the chief captain would come in, whose name is Claudius Lysias. And guess what Paul would do? Paul would simply just give him his testimony. Paul would simply just talk about his experience. From there, Paul was sent to the governor. His name is Felix. Felix. And in front of Felix, Felix says, tell me, declare unto me what it is that you've done wrong. And guess what Paul does? He just simply shares his testimony with Felix. After giving his testimony to Felix, Paul had the opportunity to sit down and personally talk with Felix and his wife Drusilla. Get this. Stop. Think about this. A prisoner is sitting down with the governor and his wife discussing Jesus Christ. Listen, this is the power of your personal story with Jesus. I'm not, not going to take the time to read it because we'd be reading five chapters. My challenge to you is throughout this week, go and read the rest of the book of Acts, and you will see over and over and over again, Paul just simply sharing his testimony. Paul just simply doing what comes natural to human beings and talking about their experiences. Look at verse 24 of Acts 24. Acts 24, verse 24. Acts 24, verse 24. And after certain days... When Felix came with his wife Drusilla, which was a Jewess, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. And as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, Felix trembled and answered, Go thy way for this time, when I have convenient season, I will call for thee. You see, his simple testimony gave him an indoor then to have a full-on discussion. Amazing power. We find out in a little bit that Felix is replaced as governor by a man named Festus. And Paul is still bound in Jerusalem. Festus is now the governor and he has the king, King Agrippa, and Agrippa's wife, Bernice. They come down and they visit Festus. And you know what Festus starts to do? Festus starts telling Agrippa about a prisoner that he has named Paul. Again, are you comprehending this? Governor meeting king, what are they talking about? 
a prisoner. A prisoner named Paul. Agrippa is so intrigued with the story that Festus tells about Paul that he says, I want to hear from this guy. I want to hear what's going on. So the next day, Paul is brought, and Agrippa says, you have permission to speak freely. Paul says, thank you very much. And guess what Paul does? He tells him his testimony. Acts chapter 26. I was on the road to Damascus. When I was there, guess what? A light shone from heaven and said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he goes through the whole thing again. In front of kings. In front of governors. The power of your personal testimony. The funny part about this is Festus, the new governor, he starts to make fun of Paul a little bit. Let's read it, verse 24 of Acts 26. The Bible says in Acts 26, verse 24, And as he thus spake for himself, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, thou art beside thyself. Much learning doth make thee mad. You're crazy, Paul. Verse 25, but he said, I am not mad, most noble Festus. But speak forth the words of truth and soberness. For the king knoweth of these things. He knows what I'm telling you is true. He would understand this. Before whom also I speak freely, for I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him. For this thing was not done in a corner. <laughs> it was pretty open for everybody to see. Verse 27. King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? I know that thou believest. Verse 28, watch this. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Again, this does not say that Agrippa accepted Jesus Christ as a personal savior. Almost. But we got to this point with King Agrippa through a personal testimony. Through a personal testimony. In this moment, King Agrippa hears the gospel of Jesus Christ and is almost persuaded to be a Christian. Again, not from deep theological dogma, but a simple, understandable, powerful, personal testimony of one man's encounter with Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 1 and verse 16, the Bible says this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why? For it is the power of God. Unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. The good news of the gospel that has changed you, that has changed your life, is powerful. And it is so powerful, it can help other people be changed as well. But, that power is of no use if it remains hidden under our false assumptions. That power is of no use when it remains hidden under our false assumptions that nobody wants to hear this. And you know what? Paul was in jail. And he could have absolutely, he had proof that nobody wanted to hear it. That's the whole reason he's in jail is because he was sharing his testimony. Yet he continued and he continued and he continued. And guess what? Felix, 
Claudius Lysias, Festus, King Agrippa, Bernice, Drusilla, all of them, high-ranking officials. Guess what? They heard the gospel of Jesus Christ because he said, I don't care. I'm going to just share my testimony, 2 Corinthians 4, 3. But if our gospel be hid, who's it hid from? It's hid to them that are lost. It's hid to the people who need it most. Will some reject it? Oh, absolutely. Listen, if you had the cure for cancer, there would be people who would reject it. Will you have the opportunity to share your testimony to people you never thought you ever would? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I want you to turn over to one more passage. We'll be finished. Go to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. I want you to see what Jesus has to say about this. Matthew chapter 10, look with me in verse 16. Matthew chapter 10 and verse 16, the Bible says this. Jesus speaking. He says, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to the councils, and they will scourge you in their synagogues. Does this sound vaguely familiar? And ye shall be brought before governors. Interesting. And kings. Interesting. For my sake. For what? For a testimony against them and the Gentiles. Verse 19. But, but when they deliver you up, take no thought how or what ye shall speak, for it shall be given you in that same hour what ye shall speak. For it is not ye that speak, but the Spirit of your Father which speaketh in you. Listen, there are going to come times in your life where you have the opportunity to speak. And you know what? You're going to be scared to death. And you're going to be worried. But can I encourage you with this? It does come naturally because we like to talk about ourselves, but you know what? You don't need to worry at all. Because it's not you who's speaking. You see, you will have opportunities to fulfill your purpose in life and be a testimony. A witness of Jesus Christ before even kings and governors. Listen, don't worry about what you're going to say. I want to say this in the nicest way as possible. You aren't that important. For the record, I'm not that important. It's not whether or not you say the right words or not. Because that's our, that's our fear, right? What if I tell them the wrong thing? Listen, it's not about that. It's not whether or not you can articulate to the best of your ability and you're as good as the next theologian. Listen, I read this recently. 
The gospel is so powerful that a teenager during vacation Bible school can give their simple testimony and a child can come to know Jesus Christ as their personal savior. Listen, it's that powerful. On the converse side, it is so powerful that a theologian who has studied the word of God for 30 years can spend an hour in a discourse about the gospel and you know what? Somebody can get saved from it. Listen, it doesn't matter who you are, what you are. It doesn't matter what... what you have given to you or what your education is or what your background is. Listen, it doesn't matter. You have the gospel of Jesus Christ. Will you use it? You've got it for a purpose. With the Holy Spirit of God, with the power of the Holy Spirit of God, your testimony is powerful. With the power of of the Holy Spirit, your testimony is powerful can be used to fulfill God's purpose for your life. It's really not that hard. It's really not that scary. But it does mean that we have to open up our mouths and bear witness of the incredible change that this Jesus Christ has made in our lives. Listen, you were made for more than just talking about sports and fishing camping, and shopping, whatever else ladies like to do. You're made for more than that. You have a purpose. You are made to be a witness of Jesus Christ unto the uttermost part of the earth. Told you one more passage, I'm going to take you back to Acts We just finished the book of Acts, but I want to take you to the beginning of the book of Acts. Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. In verse 8. The Bible says this. Jesus again speaking, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Question is this, will you fulfill that purpose? Will you simply talk about yourself? And talk about the experience that you've had with Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for this opportunity. Father, this is a message that is just as convicting to me as I hope it is for everyone else. And I pray that you would cause this message, this simple illustration of Paul and his life. You would use it in a great way. And Father, that when we leave this place, we would bear witness of what's happened to us. Father, if there's one person here today maybe has never accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, they don't even know what that is. Father, I pray that they would come Talk to one of us and ask us, what must I do to be saved?
What must I do to know Jesus Christ as my personal Savior? What must I do to have an eternal home in heaven? And Father, for the rest, I pray that we would be bold enough to share. Bold enough to be that witness. We give you the praise and glory for it. We pray all these things in Jesus' name.